Halo, everybody. This is Calling All Halos. My name is Sam Blum, the host of the podcast here. I'm joined alongside my co-host, Connor Grossman. Hello, Connor. What's up, Sam? You know, not much. We're uh, I'm in Toronto right now, um, getting ready for a bright and early 6 a.m. flight to ATL. Uh, it's, you know, it's been a long week for the Angels. I feel like I got to Detroit... Was it? A, it might have been 2018. I don't know. It was a while ago. Um, <laughs> it's been a long week. And uh, the Angels are, uh, you know, they're coming off a tough weekend, but they salvaged the series uh, with a win today against the Blue Jays. It was pretty much a, I thought it was a must win series in a lot of ways. They didn't win it, but, you know, when you lose a must win series, at least they don't get swept in a must win series. So that's, you know, that's one thing. And the Angels right now are four games out of the wild card and five games out of the division. So things are interesting. They're going all in on the season. It's been a, a lot to happen since the last time we were, were here. We're going to talk about it all. Connor, I'm curious. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What do you think of the Angels week and all the decisions they made? Well, I think it's been a tough week, but thank goodness they're going to play the Braves, at least someone they can just tee the ball up against and uh, <laughs> bang some easy wins. Um, by, <laughs> by far and away the most interesting week of the season, I just... I mean, I go back to them planting their flag in the ground, you know, several days ago, just saying we're not trading Otani. And I understand them taking that stance. Maybe I less so understand them taking the stance when they took the stance and how publicly yeah. they did. I don't know. What do they accomplish by, you know, waving the big flag that says Otani is staying? Like, it, okay. other than like some good goodwill from the fans is there really much for the organization to gain by doing that so many days before the deadline i mean i think okay here's my i mean there's a couple things that i think maybe kind of tie into the timing i think this trade maybe happened a couple hours after this announcement was publicized not a huge coincidence possibly i do think that they made the trade when they did realizing this was a big series against the blue jays and also recognizing that their pitching was not really in a good position leading into the next week um they needed a pitcher for that Friday. They would have had to pitch Chase Silseth, who, you know, is a fine starter, but I don't think is maybe the guy you want right now is being so young, the guy you want pitching the biggest game of your season. And then I think they would have needed a starter for Tuesday, which could have been, you know, anyone. I mean, it could have been Kenny Rosenberg in the minors. It could have been, you know, someone you had to call up for a spot start on the day of the deadline. And, you know, it's just the way the season is right now. You don't really want to be relying on a spot starter. So I think that might have played a role into the timing of when they made this trade. And they knew they weren't going to trade Otani. They knew that their owner wanted to go all in. And so they, that's why I think Perry kind of did the work that he did. Now, I totally agree with you. I wrote an entire column about this. It, it's silly to make this public declaration going into this series. Now, if they had actually lost and gotten swept, I mean, they, they would yep. look so ridiculous. Because why would you, what, what team is a buyer going into the deadline like six or seven games out of a playoff spot? Nobody. It doesn't make sense. I mean, maybe the Padres. And I mean, they can still lose these next two games against the Braves before the deadline and still look just as silly as you're alluding to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they have one game left before the actual deadline starts. So, I mean, or ends or whatever. So it's like they, you know, I think at most they'll be like five games out of a playoff spot. So at the very least, I think they're going to have the justification that they wanted basically to make these decisions. But yeah, I mean, you're right. They got, the, they got, here's their schedule. They got like the, the Braves and they come back and play like the Mariners and the Giants, your Giants. And That's going to be the biggest series of the year. They got to play the Rangers opinion. and the Astros and then like the Rays and the Reds and the Mets and the Phillies. It's like, it's just like, there's no, what series there sounds easy. <laughs> this know? is a gauntlet. This is yeah. a straight up gauntlet. That's that's like their August schedule. So it's just, it's really not, you know, and that, oh, but then after that, they get the A's and that's, 
that's winnable. I mean, I don't know. A it's, reprieve after four weeks of baseball hell, potentially. Yeah, it's a really tough. I mean, they're like, you know, maybe the Mets are not going to be the same team or the Reds might be. I don't know. It's just to me, it's like they've got a really tough schedule. I think a lot of their decision making is done on emotion, not on percentages. Um, I get they'll why get a, they'll get a Scherzer start playing the Rangers instead of the Mets. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good point. I mean, it's and that's like, you know, that's just where I think the Angels are They're they're And I, I, I get the calculus. They're there. They want to resign Otani. They want to, you know, be a playoff team for the first time in a decade. They feel like this is their window, their chance. They're playing well. You know, I get all of the calculations, and I and that part of me almost agrees with the way they've handled it because I get that stuff. At the same time, I'm also looking at a franchise that, you know, is has typically like not performed well down the stretch of the season. They kind of are in this position regularly and then fail. And then there's a lot of reasons to think that might happen again, given all of the injuries that they've had. And they continue to sustain throughout the weekend. And uh, yeah, it's just what, like, what's what, like, I don't know, like what's going to happen. Cause I could see a scenario in which they've, they've leveraged, you know, they've mortgaged their entire future by trading away their best prospects still don't make the playoffs. So Tani leaves. And then you like, are you going to fire your manager, general manager? Like what happens then? I, I just, I don't, you know, what's the, what's the path forward here? What, and I asked Perry, what's, what's 2024. I mean, and he's just like, well, we still have a farm system. And I'm like, and part of me sitting there like, well, what? Like you have players playing minor league games. Does that mean you have a farm system? I, those are different things. I think I just I just can't shake the thought from what we talked about in our last podcast about. Well, first of all, the situation you outlined where, you know, the Angels don't make the playoffs this year, which is more likely than not. Otani leaves again, feels more likely than not. But like we talked about last episode, he's the greatest mystery in the sport right now. We don't actually know what he's thinking. Um, but even if he defies the odds, if the angels defy the odds and Otani resigns with the team for more than a half billion dollars, whatever it's going to cost. Like, is this team even going to be in a good position a year from now? Like what's to say, like, it almost sounds like best case scenario, Otani comes back and then a year from now, they're in the exact same spot in the standings, a middling team, a couple games over 500, like on the fringes of the playoff race. And then, then what are you left with? You're left with the same team with an even more bloated payroll and all the guys you're paying a lot of money to are a year older. So I know that's like, you know, I'm putting on the fun police hat and it's like, well, fans don't really care. You know, fans care about having good players on the team, on a team that's exciting to watch. And so I totally understand wanting to keep Otani, wanting to resign him. You have Trout, Rendon, just the list goes on. But if you, take away the names and you look at the whole team on paper and you look at the stats and you look at the record, you could make a pretty compelling case. The right thing to do is trade Otani and retool around yeah. the guys, the other guys you have. They have good young players. That's they like, they have like a good core of young players on this team that like, like, yeah, it's just like, I and mean, if you add to that good young core, like there's something there. I, I don't know. Like I just, if you, and by adding, that means, you know, keeping guys like Edgar Caro and Kai Bush to like, you know, help you out. And, and I don't know, uh, to me, it's just like, what is it? I, I understand. I don't want to be the fun police either. I know people are going to disagree with this, but I also think that angels fans are like kind of getting allured into this, the same thing they get allured into every year, which is like, Oh, this is like, this is really interesting. Like this is going to happen. Like, Right. And maybe it will. I, again, I, maybe we're all, maybe both of us are wrong and maybe they're going to go on this great run, but man, it's like, it does not feel like the likely thing. I think the smart thing for front offices to do is to look at percentages. And I know how painful that can be because your percentages are not what you want them to be, but the angels have to jump teams right now. I mean, they, 
they're going all in. I get it. And so like right now you're just like, you know, you're going to hope against hope and, and Hey, they're five games out of their division. They could win the AOS for all I know. I don't think so. I mean, I think the Astros have a better team and I think the Rangers have a, they've built now a better team. I just think that's the case, but that doesn't mean that like that's factual. And it doesn't mean that things won't happen over the course of the next two months that change the dynamic here. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's, um, that's possible, but it's, it's an uphill climb. And are are they really willing to lay it all on the line for an uphill climb? They needed to put themselves in good position throughout the rest of the first hundred or so games of the season. I don't think they did enough in those first hundred games to justify the, the you know, like the course that they're taking, which yeah. to state the obvious is a huge win for Angels fans. If I'm an Angels fan right now, I'm, you know, I would like to think I'd be pretty fired up that not only is Otani staying, but they are committed to doing whatever it takes to add around the players they have on the team. Like we're saying, it's probably not the smartest thing to do, but, you know, screw the smartest route and let's take the most fun, exciting route, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, And you get to keep the players that you enjoy watching and you hopefully add more good players and you see what happens. But yeah, if you're looking at the percentages, the percentages don't look nice. It's like two months of like being excited to watch a game that night, like worth possibly like two more years of like being, you know, miserable, like at this time of the year, next year. Like that's the question, I think. That I, I mean, if you're a fan, it's easier to look in the short term. But yeah, if you're thinking from the perspective of like Perry, then yeah, his job is to look in the future, like you asked him. His to. Job is, and 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 I don't. I mean, I don't know if Perry was the GM of like, you know, a different franchise, would he be a totally different guy? I think so, because I think mm-hmm. it. You know, I mean, he has got the hardest general manager job in this sport, in my opinion, because yes, he does have an owner that will spend money, but he also has an owner that will tell him what to do, quite like. Quite a lot, um, and not necessarily in a hypothetical reason. world. If Artie sells the team to an owner who's totally hands off and lets Perry have all the autonomy he wants, do you think Perry's taking this down to the last second, whether or not he decides to trade Otani? Yeah, I mean, I just I don't. He might have traded Otani a year ago. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Like it just it might have been totally different. Um, because that's that like Artie is the you know especially when it comes to matters of Otani is the beginning middle and end the buck stops with him so i think that's it's so hard to measure what perry would be doing it's so hard to measure even the job he does at yeah. times because it seems like it's almost like a hostage job at times with with the way that he's being you know dictated to mm-hmm. how, how it how it goes i mean i i always go back to like just like how that we our first podcast came after already spoke to us in spring training and i'll just never forget when we walked down to like the like the underground like part of the spring training facility to like do this interview with Artie and Perry standing there the whole time just like nodding every time like one why is Perry there I think everybody thought this was super weird and then he's just like nodding the whole time and like being dictated to which questions to answer and it's like this just tells you like this is and like every GM works for an owner right like so that's not like a weird thing but like just just like the you know the cultish feeling that I got that day was like something I won't shake. And I think that is mm-hmm. a lot of how this job operates from his perspective. Yeah, I, I like the line. <laughs> the beginning, the beginning, middle, and end of all of this is Artie, and that is not news to anybody involved. And look who broke the news. Artie. I mean, it was Sports <laughs> Illustrated. It was the guy that had done the whole profile on Artie Moreno in spring. You know, and it's so this possible is like, Artie has a direct line to. I mean, Perry, the... Perry didn't like, like you know, he didn't uh leak that to tom because think about the book that tom wrote last year with joe madden where he basically made perry look terrible i don't think i don't think perry's leaking stuff to tom verducci 
just uh, based on what I read in that book. So it's like, you know, I think we can all deduce the source of that information pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. And Artie's publicly stating the direction that they're going to go for these next few days. And I guess that leaves the question after they already added Reynaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito, who else? Who if we And if we don't know who else could the Angels target, like what else positionally or generally speaking? And maybe you could say any group on the field, but where does your mind go if they're going to add anymore in these next few days? I mean, I, I, two days ago, I'd have said another reliever, but I mean, obviously Taylor Ward and, and you know, before anything else, like obviously we hope Taylor Ward is doing okay because that was uh, really scary to watch. And then watching replays of it, it was like hard to watch. And, you know, one thing I'll say about Taylor Ward is that he's um, – He's really like one of the best people you deal with every day, at least from our perspective. And from my perspective, always someone that helps me understand the game a lot better. Someone that's always like accountable, always helpful and like um, talking me through like his hitting approach and like his thought process and like, you know, saying hello and like, you know, just the things that are that not every major league player does. Taylor Ward does those things in terms of being a good person. And so seeing him get hit in the face is hard uh, for everyone that knows him. So that's like, Hopefully he's doing okay. Um, but uh, I was getting off topic from from what you asked about, which was, you know, what do they need? I mean, you, you lose a guy like Taylor Ward, and that could be, who knows? I mean, that could be something that could end the season. Who knows? Maybe he could be back in a couple of weeks. I doubt it, but that's, that's we don't really know the severity of the injury. But he was playing really well. He was hitting like over, he had an over 1,000 OPS in July. He's finally figuring things out. He's a really good defensive left fielder. You lose a lot when you lose him. So, I mean, could they be looking at an outfielder, especially since Mike Trout is several weeks away? Could they be you know, looking even at an infielder. I mean, they're running Luis Renifo and Andrew Velasquez out there every day and Renifo's playing well now, but it's, you know, it's everyday player. I mean, I, I just think they, they need somebody else out there because Zach Neto, we're not really sure about this back injury and it's just kind of lingering. And, and when things linger, they feel like they just kind of have to start with an IL stint at some point. So we'll see where that takes us. But like, you know, Anthony Rendon, I think people have kind of given up on him this year. If he goes back, it's a bonus, but I certainly am mm-hmm. not expecting that. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen or not going to happen. I'm just like, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't right. really like count on anything with him uh, at this point. So, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I think it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to like, yeah. to like, they're going to need a, they're going to need probably a bat. They probably need another reliever at some point. I mean, but I think at this point, you're probably looking at bat. That to me seems like a more of an important uh, hole to fill in this roster. Right. And with the state of the trade market right now, there's a heck of a lot more buyers than there are sellers. You know, the Angels shopping list is going to look a lot like the shopping list of many other teams, and that's going to make it that much harder to execute a deal that is not, you know, a complete steal for the other team. You know, you don't have to empty out your farm system for a guy that's only going to give you two months worth of games. Um, yep. Well, the Angels have also cornered themselves. If I'm an opposing, you know, general manager and I've desperate. read what, you know, the Angels have said, what Artie has said, like, they have no leverage. They have no oh. leverage. Like... They don't like they Perry's want, not going to call up Artie and say like, Hey, I think they're asking for too much to, you know, do this trade to acquire this good player. Like you think Artie's thinking about, you know, the prospect hall in 2026. No, no, he is here and now in the present and, and the angels have no leverage in negotiations. They, they are going to get their cupboard empty. Reading like the sports illustrated article about uh, from the past couple of days about like, and, and you realize like it's probably Artie who's kind of relaying what he's you know saying there. And it's like, oh, they only got prospects in return. I'm like, I, I just always think that's so silly. Like, like as if prospects is, aren't actual players that are get, like can help you. Like, like prospects are. There's a wide range of what prospect means. You look at what, yeah. like, who did the Mets get? Like, 
for uh, Max Scherzer. They got this, like, you know, they got Ronald Acuna Jr.'s brother who's, like, double-A, like, mashing. That's a great prospect to have. Then there's, mm-hmm. like, a prospect that's, like, lower level that's, like, 17 years old that you don't know. I mean, right. there's, like, there's so – like what you could get back in prospects is like in some cases players you can be calling up right away, especially with the Angels who typically do that a lot. Like and right. so when Artie says to Tom, it, it, which is what it appears happened here, well it's just prospects. It's like man, like you could be getting back a lot. I don't think they really understand what these like what the value of prospects is or like how you can leverage prospects into building your roster and like all these things. And like the Angels mm-hmm. just traded away their two top prospects. And so what right. are you left if you really want to get players? Who's left? You have two more. You have two new top prospects because right, the two who are, yeah. are gone. Yeah, that, that's exactly, but you're joking, but that is exactly what it, that is exactly who would probably be traded if they were to, you know, so like you got someone like Nelson Rada, who's 17 years old, but like clearly on his way to being a really good baseball, major league baseball player, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I've seen him play. He is going to be good. And um, yeah, he's probably the next to go. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. I assume right. he's going to be traded. Like, that's just my guess. Our prospects number three and four, this is great news for them because they're the new one, too. <laughs> yeah, it's just... And, and then, and then you know, and then, you know, Perry talks about, well, I think our system is better than we get ranked. I'm like, yeah, n- not anymore. I mean, I just... <laughs> also, every general manager believes that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because you, you see the people, like, you know the players, you know the people, you see them, you know, you talk to your scouts, like, you talk to your player development, like, hey, you feel like these guys are better. And, and yeah. But like, listen, also just because like, just because you called up Victor Medeiros to pitch in the major leagues does not mean that Victor Medeiros had a crazy run through the minor leagues to reach the majors, right? Like those, that's just because you called them up and, and you might not even know what I'm talking about here. He's just like a guy they put on the roster for a couple of days. Like, you know, he's, he was, he was drafted last year in the sixth round guy, you know, and he might be a great pitcher. He had a six ERA in, yeah. in college. And then he kind of had a six ERA in the minor leagues and they called him up and he, you know, wasn't great. I mean, he wasn't terrible or anything, but. It's just like all right. I'm saying is like just because you're moving people through does not mean that they're like, like oh man, like these guys are progressing really quickly. It's like that's just because right. this is how they're operating. It's a reflection right. Perry, of how they're operating more than how they're progressing. I think in some ways. Perry's comment about the farm system rankings brings me back to our days of covering uh, Syracuse men's basketball and Jim Beheim. One of his favorite lines to parrot every year is about how the ESPN top 100 prospect rankings for the high school players just never gave you know, enough credit to all the guys that Syracuse got, you know, Duke, UNC, Kansas, those players, those recruits always got credit high in the rankings, but the Syracuse players, those recruits never, never got their due in those rankings. And it's yeah. like, okay, everyone feels, everyone's got to have a, yeah, every, <laughs> everyone's got to have a chip on their shoulder about the evaluators who don't work in the game or blah, blah, blah. But um, what I was going to say is that I think, uh, I think, I lost my train of thought and I just forgot what I was going to say. Well, you know what? That happens to the best of us. You know, it actually happened to me two days ago with Mike Trout because he was, I think I've been, tw- I had been tweeting every day, like how many days were, ha- were happening until the deadline. This is a great story. They actually, Bally, I'm upset that Bally's cut this out of there. They showed, they showed Mike's like pregame, like his little scrum in the mm-hmm. clubhouse and they cut this out. And so like, he was asking like how many days on the deadline? And then he's looked at me because I'm sure he'd been seeing my tweets. And I was, and I knew then, and then like, and then right after that, like he kept looking at me because he thought I would have a question and I did have a question, but Mike staring at me, waiting for me to ask a question completely <laughs> threw me off. <laughs> and I was like, and I literally said it this full, like the scrum, I was like, I, I have no idea what I was about to ask. And then he goes, well, that's new for you. <laughs> would you agree with him? Is that new for you? I just, I think he was having fun with me. I don't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a harsh thing it was we we joked about it afterward i i said i said to him i'm not the mike trout of asking questions um 
<laughs> and then I was like, when you stared at me, that threw me off. So yeah, it was, you know, it's fine. It happens to the best of us. Um, yeah. You think Trout feels assured that he's not going to be moved in these next couple of days? Well, he's got a full no trade. So I'm sure that uh, if he were to get traded, he would have the, he would have say of it. That, you know, we've talked about this in the, in the past, but I do, I do wonder with Mike, like what, you know, what he thinks. Yeah, what he thinks, but also, I mean, he's Mike's a very smart, you know, baseball person. He's he really he cares like about like he knows who the prospects are and their organization and the trades and like all the things. He understands where they are, where they stand. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they consult him on these things or not. Um, I'd be surprised if they do, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> you know, I do think that it'll be interesting to see like if all those worst case scenario does play out, which I think in a lot of ways feels like a very strong possibility despite mm-hmm. everyone's wishes that it is not what worst happened. case, not making the playoffs and Otani leaving. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, the people and like, he really likes Phil Nevin. Like, I mean, I, but again, I don't know, like, are they going to bring Phil Nevin back if those things happen? That's a, that, and that's a really fair question to ask. I, I personally don't see any reason why he shouldn't remain as a major league manager. I think he's done a very good job, but uh, you know, wins and losses matter more than all of that stuff. So um, right. Like if Phil doesn't come back, and I think he likes Perry a lot. And I also think Perry's done a really good job. And I think Perry deserves to come back. But again, mm-hmm. you know, these are, these are calculations that I don't know if Artie makes or how he thinks and all those and all that stuff. So, uh, right. Especially with, you know, the Artie's involvement. I mean, he kind of hijacks the moves. He kind of, he does hijack. And there's been a lot the, of turnover. They turn things over right. here a lot. I think it'd right. be so silly. You've been building this thing with Perry for a while now. Like, are you really just going to throw that out? I, who knows? But, um, right. To your comment, actually, a minute ago about the Angels, maybe you question whether or not they understand the value of having prospects. And um, I was going to say prospects are also the currency. The Dodgers are the best example in my mind. The currency that can buy you a Machado, a Scherzer, a Turner, a U Darvish at the deadline. Like these, you know, crown jewels that you can add with two months to go in the season. Like those were bought with prospects. I mean, very elite prospects because the Dodgers player development they develop, uh, they machine. make prospects. Right, they, like, exactly. Zach, Zach McKinstry was like a no one, right? I mean, that was like someone who wasn't even a prospect. But you developed this guy into a major league player. You made him someone that you could flip. And then I they flipped him last year for someone. And it's just like, like that shows you, like you can make your own players and then flip them. And you can turn, and you can turn them into players that are, right, uh, like you said, make you into World Series teams. Right, right. They're, they're- the best currency you can have especially it feels like in today's game prospects are so heralded and sought after that you know i mean it's easy to forget that every player on every team was once a prospect whether they were heralded or not so um should they be overlooked undervalued overvalued everyone's going to reach their own opinions but you know it it will always be a what could have been if otani was traded what kind of haul that would have brought in and you know at least in the eyes of Artie perry and the angels i guess it was an underwhelming haul. Yeah, I mean, oh, I just don't think there was any haul they would have done. And that's the scary thing is we don't know what they could have got. And we, you know, uh, I mean, I think that maybe people, some people would have overestimated it. Like, I don't think they could have gotten like a Jackson Holiday type player. It but does feel like something that maybe will come out to one of the national insiders like next month. One GM will leak like the package they were offering for Otani. Yeah. Like, maybe we'll get a little bit of insight and that will truly be revealing about where you know, Artie's head and Perry's head was at with the types of offers they were getting. And, you know, the public may be able to judge how impressive they were or not. I'll be interested in that potentially. Yeah. I, yeah. They'll wait. I think maybe those guys will wait till like the angels, if the angels are like out of it, they're like, well, look what could have done. <laughs> right. Right. Either way. 
exactly would have traded you harper and trey turner and the list goes on yeah exactly so it's just you know it's crazy i i don't know i i it's gonna be an interesting too i think the next couple days and you know we're gonna get this podcast up right away because it's like these things change by the hour um like what happens in the next couple of days? Like, are they going to, you know, are they going to, are they going to add a lot? I mean, are you going to stand with what you got? And I mean, I think watching they, the Rangers doing all the Rangers are doing. I don't, I, they have to, the angels have to be at it. In my opinion. I mean, listen, at this point you have either, they have to add or they have to change course. And and I think maybe they could have changed course if they lost today and like been like six games out. And, you know, at that point, then you're looking at a really tough situation going into the deadline to justify adding even more. Um, but I think at this point they're in a position where they probably feel like, Hey, like you got to add, you know, you just got to keep adding and and you just got to pray that that's what gets you there. And you get these guys back, you get trout back, you get, you know, Logan O'Hoppy, I think is not far off. Um, he seems like he could be playing right away. It seems that's the way he feels at least. And Brandon jury should be back on Thursday. So, you know, they're getting some guys back. They have a chance to actually, you know, maybe start hitting a little bit if that, if these guys start performing. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like a ridiculous proposal to even throw out, but I can't help but wonder, OK, if the Angels are definitely going to be buyers and it appears that the Mets seem very intrigued on potentially moving Justin Verlander, you have a desperate buyer. And I don't know if the Mets totally classify as a desperate seller, but like kind of sort of um, is there potentially is there potentially a match? Maybe. I, I mean, like I look at who could the Angels really trade to get Justin Verlander and and. Mm. And then again, like, what is the money breakdown there? Because that's, you know, that's a lot of money. And the Mets just ate a lot for the Rangers. I don't know. Like, are they going to do the same with Verlander? And like, well, how much would it be? And, you know, if you, and, and is it going to be enough? Like where even if the Angels are paying like $20 million to Verlander, does that impact your ability to re-sign Otani? Because that's their primary objective here. So mm-hmm. I, it's a lot of things to calculate on that front. Um I'd be surprised if Verlander is an angel, but I mean, you're right. I think you're right. I feel like it's definitely not, you know, the odds on favorite uh, in terms of the angels being the team that trades for you're right. The desperate Verlander. Right, exactly. But yeah, there's an incalculable quality about this. And I feel like I read that, um, you know, the latest trade with the white Sox may have bumped the angels over the luxury tax, which is something. Yeah. Right. Which correct me if I'm wrong. That's something Artie has previously not wanted to do. Ever. Right. Yeah. So if you're over the tax, it's easy for us to sit here and stay uh, as, you know, not billionaires. But like if you're over the tax and you're already going to be paying a premium on the salaries you have on your team, like, you know, what's 40 more million if you're getting a future Hall of Famer and a guy who could significantly help your playoff push? Like, I agree. The logistics of the deal. You had another rung on the tax. It's even more money. They're losing. Well, yeah, you pay more money. But also I just ration the rational there's no no sense in trying to argue what's rational because the angels have already defied what's rational so yeah, if yeah, you really just want to go full throttle you yeah, could and the point you're making is like well like Artie would love to have justin verlander in an angels yes. form like that's just yes that's part of it too. It, like, it checks every box for him every box everybody it does oh there outside of it making absolutely no sense it makes so much sense <laughs> <laughs> that's you think the mets would take rendon <laughs> no <laughs> i don't think there's a major league team out there that would take rendon for anything right now i mean he just... yeah i was trying to like crunch the numbers in my head on you know steve cohen obviously his wealth creates an interesting wrinkle and factor in all of the mets trades but there's no there's no world the only world that that is a factor is that he might be willing to pay down 
a huge chunk of Verlander's salary to get back premium prospects. But to our whole discussion's point, the Angels probably don't even have those premium prospects that the Mets would be looking for. It is for an interesting idea, like just trading, you know, the bloated contracts. But I, even so, like one contract seems a lot more bloated than the other. Yeah, one of them is well, Verlander probably still owed like. 55 60 million almost and then you have right but the years left for rendon that yeah but it's just in terms of money overall money like yeah rendon still owed like 110 maybe something like that right sorry by the time people are listening to this i'm sure verlander is going to be like a cub or something weird that we didn't see coming yeah like well we just want to not check twitter for a half hour here and by the time we yeah it'll be it'll be complete this is why we got to get i got to fire this thing up like the second we i hit the the end button just get Get that, you know, get that music in there and just fire it up. <laughs> well, before we do that, anything uh, anything else catching your eye about uh, the broader playoff race? Or uh, I actually wanted to bring up Angels? one more Halo topic yeah. real quick. Please. And then, yeah. and then we can go to that. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the Angels uh, DFA'd uh, Jared Walsh, um, you know, a guy that had 30 home runs for them just two years ago, all-star, guy they drafted, 39th round, came up, made his, you know, debut and, and and really thrive for them and and honestly had some health issues but looked like he was turning a little bit of a corner in AAA the last couple of weeks I think the reason why they did it was just like they were never gonna like pay him what his salary was gonna be next year in arbitration uh, which probably would have given him a raise to like maybe four million dollars so that just wasn't gonna be on the in the table you know on the table for them but I do think when you look at the timing of the the move they made uh, and this was brought up to me by Jeff Fletcher um, who I don't like advertising but you know. I did think, so like you look at what they did the next day or like really just not even the next day, like the next game was a double header. They DFA Tucker Davidson uh, after the game one. And so basically they could have avoided DFAing Jared Walsh, but they were so concerned about the very remote possibility of needing a guy in their bullpen who they really never pitch ever anyway in that game one of a double header. I mean, he was pitching like once every two weeks at this point. Uh, so that's so they, they could have avoided DFAing Jared Walsh, but they didn't just so they could have Tucker Davidson available for one game of a doubleheader. It's interesting to me. It just kind of shows you where I think Jared Walsh was in this whole, you know, spectrum of Angels baseball at this point. And, and it is kind of sad. And I feel for him. And, and he's gone through a lot of health stuff, too, uh, with his, you know, what I think he believes is long COVID um, that's impacted his life in a lot of ways, not just his baseball career. And, and obviously the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery last year. So there's just been a lot of things he's dealt with. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully he gets better and gets healthy at the very least and finds his baseball career, whether that's, you know, with the angels farm system and maybe, you know, having good end of the year or possibly like going somewhere else and, and, you know, figuring things out and kind of reestablishing his career a little bit. I think either way that's, um, you know, that that's did a- Perry, did Perry or Nevin say anything about the move or was it just, you know, yeah, Perry said almost nothing. Perry was just like, yeah, like this is, you know, just boilerplate stuff that he typically says on moves. And then, yeah, Nevin was like, you know, we still like Nevin was just as he typically does as a, I think had a very, you know, empathetic approach to it, which is how hard it is and, you know, how they feel for him and how they still think he's got a lot in him and how they hope he stays with the organization and, you know, finds his way back there and, and finds his way back to having a good career because they still think it's in there, but you know, that might've just been the nice thing to say. It's, it's, it's a tough situation for him. And, you know, just, I feel like his, his, you know, the whole, it's just been so lost in all of this because there's been so much mm-hmm. else happening, but with, with Walsh, that's a, you know, that's, this is, he was a big time player. I mean, for them. yeah, a big time part of their future as of months ago. And now it's just over. I feel like you could add it to the lengthy list of surprising or eye catching transactions, you know, throughout the season that maybe if you, we're shown a list of all of them in uh, February or March. You might have a hard time believing everything that transpired. 
Yep. It's a good point. They, I mean, they have David Fletcher, Max Stassi, and Jared Walsh not even on the roster right now. And these guys were probably incumbent starters when you think about it. So you're right. It's been crazy. But going to your other point, we're going to talk about bubble teams on the, you know, on the, uh, on the trade deadline. On the March Madness podcast with Sam and Connor. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we, are, we are talking now about Syracuse basketball. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were talking off air, so to speak about the Padres and really, I think there's a few teams, Padres, Yankees, uh, Mariners, Cubs. To be clear, they're not all vying for the same wild card. No, not and then and then also the Guardians and the Twins, who are kind of also bubble teams in a very weird sense because they're, you know, bad. yeah. The AL Central is a mess, and Sam brought this up, but uh, I would agree that it's kind of pretty awesome to be the. Uh, what the third wild card team because you end up playing the winner of the AL Central. So there's a very real possibility if you're the second wild card team, you're sitting there wishing you were the third because second wild card team has to play the first wild card team, which I understand is mouthful. But the third and last team, the third wild card team, the last team to squeak into the playoffs, gets to play a three game series with the winner of the AL Central, who honestly could finish under 500. It's yeah, a distinct it's like, possibility. It's, it's in play. <laughs> we are basically in August, and the leader of the AL Central is, you know, one game over 500. So by the trade deadline, could be under 500. Well, I'm curious. So what do you think? Like, I'm, let's just do this quickly. Like, which, yeah. I'm say the team, are they are they buyers or sellers? I'm curious if you can give a brief explanation. Oh, gosh. All right. All right, Go let's ahead. do Padres. Well, because that's an easy one for you. Well, I feel like there's got to be a little third in between your buyers, sellers, or standing pat. I think standing yes. pat could be even leaning sellers. AJ Preller gets a wild hair up his nose, decides to trade Soto an hour hour before the deadline, gets some grab bag of prospects and ready now players, and maybe they go on some magic carpet ride. But uh, Padre standing pat, perhaps leaning seller. Uh, let's go Mariners. I'll start. I'll do Mariners here. Okay. Uh, I think the Mariners are, they're a really interesting situation. I mean, because they're basically half game behind the angels and they're, they're playing all right. They haven't really been disappointing the whole year. I think the Mariners are probably going to act a little bit differently than the angels. The and, Mariners are the angels in an alternate universe where everyone acts rationally. Is that a well, crazy I, mean, I don't want to say Jerry DePoto is like a rational actor. Cause that's, and the angels have had him as their general manager know that he's <laughs> like, you know, but like, you know, it's just they're not they're they're a different type of irrational but i think that they aren't owned by Artie moreno so you might see like slightly you might see things that make somewhat more sense i don't you know they, they also have a different roster i'm gonna i i think they're more in the middle uh, it's it's really tough but of I course think, they're on the bubble we're talking about teams on the bubble everyone right. is in a tough a i tough meant, I meant in terms i meant like in terms of like standing pat i, I don't yeah. necessarily know if there's a lot to sell i i damn that's really i don't know why i picked this one it's really tough <laughs> Well, no, because these teams shouldn't yeah. be doing anything, and they should probably be subtracting from they, their roster. They, now I'm going to go Mariners. Should, Mariners should subtract. They've, they right. have, I mean, I think you get to this point in the season, if you're this far out, and the, that's why I've been, we've been, I've been skeptical about the Angels. You're in this position. You got yourself in this position. Then you don't deserve the chance to, like, you know, mortgage your future further by not, you know, putting, you know, by not right. selling players. You right, can. and you really twist with fans' emotions because looking now, the Mariners have won seven of the last ten games. They're you know, slowly ascending as we are creeping right up to the trade deadline. And then you could decide to trade, you know, some players on your team and basically wave the white flag on the season, despite not being mathematically out of it. But yeah, I don't know. I still think you could watch what the Mariners do and close your eyes and believe 
if Artie Moreno was not the owner of the Angels, perhaps the Angels would be mirroring the types of moves that the Mariners are making because they're separated by a half game in the standings. I mean, they're virtually the same team on paper. Yes, that's a good point. Except one of them, one of them has Shohei Otani and the other. One of them not. has Shohei Otani, and that makes everything way more interesting. Uh, one of them wishes they had Shohei Otani. Um, right, what do you think about the A's? Selling or selling? <laughs> I wish the A's probably wish they were sellers. <laughs> they don't have much to sell. They got like, does anyone want Trevor May? <laughs> no, uh, for real. I think a really interesting team is the Cubs, who. Uh, have won they just won eight in a row they lost today on uh sunday but yeah they won eight of ten to spring back over 500 they're three and a half out of Fires. a very hectic crowded national league wild card you've got five teams separated by two games i mean just what a mess like a week from now those five teams could be completely flipped upside down um but if i'm the cubs a team that was you know, heavily discussed in the media as one that could flip Cody Bellinger, could flip Marcus Stroman. I think you're almost buyers in the sense that you're just not trading those guys now. Um, and then, you know, they're also not they could, they could make a couple of French also moves. Bad, right. Like that's also a bad division. And they could make a run there too, outside of having all these teams to deal with in the wild card. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're four games out of the division. The Reds are, you know, they've been surging the past month. Who knows where their season ends? Milwaukee feel kind of similar about them. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say the Cubs are out of the central either. Um, but I also think the Cubs, you know, the ethos of the Cubs, it would just be shocking to me if they emptied their farm system to get, you know, some, you know, to get Justin Verlander, for example. I know I yeah. threw out that example, you know, a few minutes ago. That would be truly shocking to me if they did that because uh, I don't think they were really expecting to, you know, make the playoffs this year. I want to talk about the Yankees real quick because they're like they're like too close to like be sellers probably like well like after I mean they're getting crushed right now by the Orioles so I'm assuming they're gonna lose that one but um they're gonna be like probably like three or so games out of a playoff spot but I just like they're that that's like too close to like sell but it's also like. They're just not good enough to make. Are they really get. Do they really think they're going to be good this year? I don't know. Like it's just. Well, just as the Otani factor is impossible to quantify and calculate, the, the same thing factor. with the interlocking NY. So the logo is as mysterious and powerful as the presence of Otani. It just it bends reality in ways that don't really make sense. So it's really not much. Are the Yankees going to be sellers? It's kind of just how serious of buyers are they? That's a very good. Yeah, you don't. I mean, they've sold in the past, and I, you know, but I, I don't necessarily. Yeah, I, I mean, they, yeah, they, and they just got Aaron Judge back, which maybe may, like can fool them into believing they now can hit the ball out of the ballpark once in a while. Because man, when they were in Anaheim a couple weeks ago, I was like, "Holy cow! This is a team is is ahead of anybody in the standings. They have nobody that can hit." Right. Uh, so that's it. They're an interesting case. I, I I agree with you. That's a really good assessment. Like it's just like how much are they going to be buyers? And I think it's probably not nearly as much as they, you know. Would have no, coming into no. The year. I think, yeah, you give Brian Cashman some truth serum. He would tell you that he should probably be selling, but he definitely shouldn't be adding. So, you know, maybe they make a fringe move, bench guy, a reliever, but nothing that really shakes up the earth. Like, again, Verlander's the best example. Oh, you think Steve Cohen would trade Justin Verlander to the Yankees? Like, oh, man, that it's just coming like, up I'm next on WFAN. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't see that happening. Um yeah, I don't know. Everything, I mean, the National League wildcard, given that, you know, I'm keeping eyes on 
the Giants and all things NL. It's just as hectic as I've ever seen it. And this is really what baseball wanted by adding the third wild card. It just, it mucks everything up. And I mean, it honestly, one of the, you know, part of the playoff changes, it really leaks down to the trade deadline and affects, uh, the calculus for so many teams buying yeah, and so selling. Many teams because... think that, like, you, like, like, do you think that like in a week, like, or like two weeks, like the Cubs could be in a much different position and then like that change, like, but if you're th- like, I, I think that's the tough thing is like, you look at the standings, you're like three games, like that's easy. Like you can make a, three. right. You can make yeah. a games in a week, but then you're also not, you're not calculated. It's like the angels. Like, it was like five games. Like we can make right. five games, but then you also don't calculate the teams in front of you and the realistic nature of coming, actually playing better than the teams that have been playing better than you all year. It's just, it's just there's so much that right. goes to it, and it's right. Like, the it's Angels' tough. biggest, yeah, right. The Angels' biggest issue is not that they're four games out of the wild card; it's that the Yankees and the Red Sox are in front of them, and there's still three teams that are already in the wild card spot. You're talking about five teams in front of you, and three of them are getting in, and it's just it's a total mess. And it's easy to make the numbers work for you. It's easy to have numbers tell a story that's favorable to you, but. Let's be honest, like it's going to be an uphill climb, like scoreboard watching involves looking at half the American League. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I was like looking at the Mets score. I'm like, well, if like only three of these teams lose today, then they might actually gain a game. Right, exactly. Uh, but um, we should probably wrap here because we're getting longer than we typically do. And hold on, I got to bring up one more thing. Okay. Immaculate Grid. I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar, but it's my new favorite morning routine. Um, to explain it to those unfamiliar in a nutshell. It's a three by three grid and there are, you know, let's just say there are team logos that occupy every column and row. And then the square where, you know, the column and row intersect, let's say there's a giant logo on top and an angel's logo on the left, the square that's, you know, occupied by both of those logos. You got to think of a player that played for both of those teams. Um, So there was a square angels gold glove winner. Okay. How many, I, I just want to know from Angels fans, how many of you know that Mike Trout has never won a gold glove? And am I the biggest idiot in the world? Am I the last guy to so, find out and, that and Mike I, Trout... I think that's a, I think that's like something that bugs him. You know, and and, and um, that was, brought, again, also brought up to me by Jeff. But I will say this. I do think it's interesting that, like, you can, that if you go back, like, I think the gold glove for outfielders used to just could be anybody in the outfield. And now it's, it's a popularity it's, contest. Well, yeah, that, well. That's that was my biggest thing because I'm thinking racking my brain old angels Benji Molina Eric Ibar David Eckstein Darren Arstad Griffin Canning and that <laughs> is the correct answer to this question <laughs> and I was just telling answer. myself I would not be able to live with myself if I went out on a limb what felt like a limb for me and guessed Darren Erstad and it was wrong because I didn't pick Mike Trout like I just felt like I had to pick Trout and the result was going to be what the result was and the result was loss because Mike Trout has never won a gold glove. So I just had to get that out in the universe. And please let me know on Twitter, write me a letter if I'm the last guy in the universe to find out that Mike Trout has never won a gold glove. Despite no, I, I even asked that question too. And yeah, Darren Erstad has won it three times. So, you know, it could have been a bet. It could have been a good choice there for you if you went that way, but I would go with Griffin Canning that got like one less than 1%. And, uh, you know, that was because he did in 2020 when literally computer determined that his like 30 innings of pitching was, Good enough to win him the gold glove. I wonder what he does. That. I might even like. I might should ask him about like where do you like do you like keep that like like no offense, but it's just yeah. kind of a, it's just like like it's a silly award. Yeah, that'll way. be good fodder if they fall out of the playoff race. And yeah, that's that's what the good. pitcher do with his gold glove. Yeah, that'll be great. He'll love when I come up to him and say, "So you're a useless gold glove." No. Congratulations <laughs> to Griffin. You earned it. Um, either way, 
<laughs> this has been a really fun episode. We're going to come back to you after the trade deadline, um, which I know is quickly quick turnaround, but you know, it's just kind of the time of year it is. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we appreciate you listening. Appreciate you uh, liking or whatever our podcast, if you can, or, you know, just do what you gotta go give us a review five stars, please. Or whatever the review system that you feel most accurately represents the quality of work that Connor and I do. He's literally just dying laughing right now. <laughs> what I said, but uh, thanks for listening. All you read this part of the podcast like you're being held hostage underground. <laughs> I was told to do it. I want people to. I want people to give us a. a but I also do. A, I, we've gotten really nice reviews, and I, it makes me feel good when I see people like it. And and I want you to know that I re- read these reviews. So if you and, and so if you go and do that, just go know you're warming my heart and Connor's heart. We leave your honest opinion, please. We appreciate you listening. Yes, yes, yes. We do. Either way, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back in a few days. Take care.